Welcome to The Curve, a series of discussions where we aim to disrupt and deconstruct the complexities of people transformations. My name is Brett Addis. And my name is Victoria Cole. And together we bring you thought-provoking, relevant, and actionable perspective to support you through your transformations from C-level to SME-level. Want to join the conversation? You can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram, and don't forget to subscribe to The Curve Podcast to stay in the know on new episodes. Welcome, everyone. I um, I was asked to kick off today's session. Um, hey, before we get started, uh, I want to say that uh, next week is in the U.S. It's Thanksgiving. So for those of you uh, who are celebrating Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we wish you a delightful meal and time with your family and friends. However, in speaking of Thanksgiving, um, I have a interesting fun fact that I would like to, it's more, of a, it's more of a comment, if you will. It's kind of a combination of a comment and question. So Christina and Victoria, I have a question for you. Which, which side dishes for Thanksgiving are the least desirable? In your Brussels opinion? sprouts. And mine would be green beans. All right. I just want to, I just want to take a step back here. Like, I'm not going to give you my age. But in all of my years at Thanksgiving, I have never once had Brussels sprouts. Really? I'd be interested for those who are listening, if you have Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving, I'd love to know about it. Because you and Victoria are probably the only two people. (laughs) Just say it. All right. So Christina said green beans. Green beans was ranked number two least desirable side dishes at Thanksgiving. Can you, any, can you, what do you think number one is? Is fruitcake an, a side dish considered a side uh, dish? Fruitcake is for Christmas or. Okay. okay. All right. so you're like, you're like, oh, and six right now. Um, Christina, what about you? What do you think the number one least desirable side dish for Thanksgiving is? Cause you hit number two at green beans. So you're much more astute at this holiday <laughs> than Victoria is. Um, would it be yams? Maybe like the candy. Oh my god, it is candied yams. What yams? Yes. Um, and this is according to a Fox business poll. Uh that 27% uh, of of poll takers said that uh, candy yams was the least favorite green. 25% said green bean casserole, which I actually enjoy. Um, and then 24% said cranberry sauce, which I can leave that. Um, if you'd like me to go through the other ones, I'm, I'm actually not quite sure where these people live. But the next one is 21% said sweet casserole, sweet potato casserole, which is I actually eat sweet potato casserole for dessert and not for the meal because I like it so much. And I don't want to spoil my the deliciousness during the meal. Um, stuffing is 12%, which to me, typically goes with the meal. Um, salad, 12%. I, I get it. No one really likes salad because it's just a bunch of green stuff. Mashed potatoes, 
and then dinner rolls seven percent. So I'm wondering if like who took this is like people who are just like massive keto diet or something, because everything on here I'm outside of the candy yams, I uh, I don't agree with. Uh, I love candied yams. Who doesn't like candied yams? That's crazy. Okay. I like sweet potato casserole or sweet potatoes 10 times better. Just, just saying. Just giving my point of view. All right. Thanks. You Thanks don't have to sharing. like it. Thanks for sharing, Brett. You're welcome. So happy Thanksgiving to those of you who are celebrating. Um, anyways, so uh, we have an exciting topic today. A topic that is near and dear to Victoria's heart. A topic that I have spent hours scribing about. It's right, I said scribing, not writing, scribing about, which is uh, really focused on transformation is a team sport. Recently, I actually did write a blog um, that was posted on the SAP community, LinkedIn, Twitter, and all of the other prime social media outlets. So what's interesting about this is we think about transformation as a team sport. It really is. We started to, is because Victoria and I argue about this all the time, really, what, what makes transformation successful. And we, we talked a little bit about this in some of the other episodes that we have done. But really, it comes down to the team, the team makeup, the roles, the responsibilities, all of these things. Uh, it also comes down to, um, you know, just really making sure that um, we've got right capabilities, right mindset, and and that and that that transformation is viewed very holistically. Um, very often, when we go into work with customers, it's for a very specific functional area. And very often when we talk about, um, you know, have you, have you met with other functional areas like IT or finance or whatnot? And the answer is very often, no, should I, or why would I want to, or all of these other things where in reality, you know, transformation really should be part of an organizational initiative. It should be much more focused on a broader cultural initiative to really change the way organizations work. I think um, I've heard you many times talk about how transformation is a team sport. And I think that that phrase is very much underrated because if you think about your favorite team in whatever sport, it doesn't matter. Steelers. (laughs) Okay. You think about, and this is for the listeners as well. You think about your favorite, think about your favorite team and Think about what makes them great. So, so I did read your blog. Very good blog. I thought it was very, very well scribed, very well scribed. Um, I want to read just the first two paragraphs because uh, I I really think it, it really hits home. So here it goes. Have you ever wondered what makes the winning team of a Super Bowl, World Series, or World Cup so successful? The easy answer is the players and the talent of the players. But it is more than that. These winning teams had unwavering commitment, investment, and resources from the owner to the coaching staff to the hundreds of support roles and functions. The true magic, however, is how well orchestrated these teams are. 
This orchestration comes with clarity of positions, the right skills and capabilities, defined roles and responsibilities, rigorous yet flexible set of protocols and processes, and lastly, accountability. At a high level, I understand what you mean, but I wanna take that analogy further because to your, I just think there's a lot more to the team sport analogy that is important to consider when talking about transformations. So let's break it down, right? I mean, I mean the, the, the you know, when we, and, you know, when we go in and we work with customers, and uh, we talk to organizations about successful transformation, you know, even before a strategy has been defined, the first thing we got to make sure is, is this something you even want to do? Right? Is this something that, that you are going to put your heart, your soul, your time, right, your investment into? And I think in some instances, there is a nod of agreement, like, yes, we want to do this, but they don't really know what it is, right? And which is where I think some of the strategy comes in. So, you know, first we've got to get agreement. Like, is, is the organization willing to make this specific transformation shift? Is that moving from one business model to another business model? Is that moving from non-technology to technology? Is that moving from legacy skill sets to next generation skill sets? You know, transformation is so many different things, right? But fundamentally, it comes down to really, you know, how we work in a new way and, and do, deliver services. Um, the other piece that you didn't mention about, about the um, infrastructure, and we can't forget, is, you know, a lot of this, too, we have to look at it experiences, not only internally, but externally. You know, from a football perspective, it's, it's the brand and the fan experience, right? And, and again, there's all of these people who are kind of swirling around in this cog, making it work to, to deliver all of these things from an operational perspective. But, but back, to, back to the transformation piece, right? So do we have the level of commitment? The answer is yes or no. And if yes, what is it we need to do that? We talked about commitment, resources, time, effort, all of these things. The second, I think, is really around, do we have a clear strategy in place? So the strategy is the definition of the commitment. What are we going to do? Why are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? And what are the outcomes that we're driving towards? And this, frankly, is probably the hardest part, one of the hardest parts, which is agreement on what that transformation actually means. And so if you think about going in to do a finance transformation and you say, hey, this is all the financial, this is, the, this is what our finance transformation strategy looks like. And then you go talk to someone in IT and HR and procurement or supply chain. And then I like, like, I don't really care. It doesn't impact me. It's a finance thing. Then the question is, is, are they really committed to doing it? Because every transformation touches everything, regardless of how, how much or how little there's always an intersection. The one common denominator at every organization is people. And that'll never be changed. The second common denominator of every organization is processes. 
And those processes are managed by who? People. So there's intersecting processes. Whether I'm going to hire someone or I'm going to order something, it's still managed by an individual. And very often, a lot of these policies and protocols often intersect. So strategy can't be defined in a silo. It has to be agreed upon from an organizational perspective of what is the shift going to look like and how is it going to affect all of us and what are all of the players that we need to bring together across the organization to make this successful. So really the second piece of this is strategy. The third element is now getting into the execution of the strategy, which is you know, defining the right process changes, the data changes, the technology needs, right? Um, the future skills and capabilities. You know, do we have to do we have to shift our structures? What's our new way of working? All of these things. But again, the common denominator of all of this that we can't get away from is the fact that we're asking people to work and do things differently. And that means we're impacting the entire organization across every functional area, across every business unit, and we can't get away from that. And so if we, if we focus on a transformation as a piece of this pie, and we don't get commitment to branch out into other pieces of the pie, our processes stop. Those behaviors and expectations stop. And the results will never be achieved. So we have to have, so collectively, even if this is a, hey, we're implementing a new HR solution. We're asking the entire organization to work differently. This isn't about HR. So whether you're an active player or an inactive player or an active player or a passive player, we're all, we all still need to be aligned. So I like the first part um, about the level of commitment feeding into the strategy. And uh, I think even just above that is finding, it's almost like finding your purpose for going through the transformation. And that purpose may be different if you're sitting in HR versus you're sitting in finance versus you're sitting in IT. That message has to be tailored to be something that you can support as a leader, right? Um, and not just as a leader, but as regardless of where you are supporting the transformation. So whether you're a direct player or an indirect player, you have to believe in the transformation. Otherwise, how can you be committed? How can you have commitment to something that you don't fully believe in? You can't. And therefore it's a Therefore, you get the resistance. You, you do not get, you do not build that infrastructure of transformation right around the people process technology and things start to break down. You're not going to get, you're not going to get the investment or commitment of time and energy from a business unit who doesn't believe in what you're doing. Yep. And whether and, and what's interesting about that is again, 
whether they're an active player, a passive player, or not playing at all, the transformation is going to impact them. And if that one group opts out, then the value proposition of transformation has, has, has just gone down. So I would like to, I think this is a really good opportunity. I, I mean, I think this is a really important topic. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I will, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. I'm going to put my, my, um, what do they call it on the table? My uh, cards on the table, cards, if you will, on the, my proverbial cards on the table and say that I am getting very frustrated with transformation. I'm getting very frustrated with organizations not listening and jumping to jumping to jumping to unrealistic unrealistic expectations without putting in the due diligence and the hard work to actually get to those expectations. And, and, and I think a lot of this comes back to what we shared earlier is the foundation of transformation isn't rocket science. It's just hard work. And I, I would, I'm in, encouraging and asking, you know, as you're really thinking about this, let's let's really put together a, a very mindful and meaningful and thoughtful plan of not just about transforming a thing, but really transforming an organization to achieve many things. Because I often say it, siloed transformation equals siloed results. Integrated transformation equals many results. And when you really start defining value of any of the work that we do, it's evident that most organizations want as much value and benefit as possible. And why not give it to them? We have the opportunity. It just takes a little bit hard work. Let's not settle for the easy route. Yeah, I mean, as much as you're getting frustrated, I I think I'm getting jaded. Jaded? Yes, jaded is the word. Isn't that a song? Yes, do you want to sing it? I don't remember the words, actually. Good. Thank you, because I really don't like the song. So, um, yeah, I just, I think I'm getting jaded. You know, I think about, I think about transformations, right? So we talk about organizational transformation and every time we say an organization is successful or unsuccessful in their transformation, there's always a person or a team of people behind that. And I think by saying an organizational transformation was unsuccessful, we are not putting accountability on the people and the leaders who drove that transformation. You know, you think about organizational transformations, the way you can think about a person making a personal transformation. And it's all about commitment. You can say all day long, I need to change. I want to change. But if there's no heart behind that, if there's no accountability and ownership of your actions and 
um, uh, you know, making a change from a mindset and behavior standpoint, you can work all day and all night. You're not going to be successful. So you look at, for example, people on the, the biggest loser, you ever see the biggest loser? Is it still on? I don't know. Anyway, the majority of those people, they drop a lot of weight. They can't sustain that weight loss. When they get home, they gain it all back. And then some, they just didn't have the right motives. They didn't have the right motivation or they didn't hold themselves accountable. Oh, they were motivated to lose the weight. All right. Yeah. So there was money behind that, right? You lose all this weight, you win, you get all this money. I just think that people don't have the right level of accountability and ownership. And um, it does take heart. And I think, you know, going forward, you know, talking to organizations and I hear that they're going through a transformation uh, or that they're about to begin a transformation, it would be good to understand the character of the person driving that transformation. I agree. I would actually say, you know, I, I, I think it's more than just heart. I think heart is heart is the the uh, motivational aspect of it, right? Like I, I want to be, I, I think you've, I think you've got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get dirty. I think if you're motivated, that's a given. Well, there's a lot of motivated people, but just, but motivation and execution are two different things. I mean, I could say I've been motivated to learn how to fly a helicopter for 20 years, but I haven't done it yet. That means you're not motivated. You have the desire. You have Maybe the desire. Maybe yeah, that's a good point. I had a desire. All right. Fair enough. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. So what motivates? What motivates success? I'm sure it's different from, you know, I was, I, I remember an organization I was working with so amazingly successful. They had all the right players in the game with the right skills and the right capabilities. And they all came together and it was magic seeing them be, become successful. And at the helm of that was their CHRO, who was this woman that was just, she was so fierce and bold and direct and I mean, she's just, she was an amazing CHRO and this was her legacy that she was leaving behind. So it was more than just about the organization. It was a personal transformation for her that she wanted to leave. It was her mark that she was leaving behind on this organization. And that's what drove her. And I think everyone under her to success. Yeah, I can see that. But, but, you know, but I, I, you know, I mean, you know, this as well as I do. I mean, how many people are truly motivated? How many people are just trying to get through their day? Yeah. You know, what's funny about this though. I, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about it, about this whole um, personal milestone um, scenario. And I don't think people understand the, also the power of, of a successful transformation. And I, I use this again. like, so, you know, I coach a lot of executives around, Hey, why are we doing this? And, you know, and, and why, you know, why should I care about this? And, you know, I, it takes a lot, even to your point, right. I mean, it takes boldness. It takes um, discipline. 
it takes motivation to and to an influence to really make something like this happen. And so what I, I talk to them about is, you know, there's a, you know, how many times have you interviewed and they say, oh, I see, I see you've implemented X technology, or I see you've gone through X number of transformations. Do they ask whether they were successful or not? No, I just, yeah, I, I led a major transformation. Well, it didn't say I was any good at it. But the difference is, is those ones who have been good at it are able to back it up with some very robust stories and metrics and outcomes that they were able to achieve. You know, and it's, 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 a, it's a very powerful skill set. But, you know, the, I think the other piece, the, I would say the other piece of that is what you're referring to is it's, it is the people who are below that individual. You know, people lead by example. If I'm a leader and I say I'm going to transform and I'm going to spend the money, but I'm not going to contribute and participate, and why would I want to do that? My leader doesn't do it. My leader hasn't lifted a finger to learn what I'm doing. My leader hasn't done anything to help help me better my cause. My leader, my leader never sat in our process sessions and gave their input about, you know, what he or she felt was the the vision of how we should move in the future. They sat in their ivory tower and delegated this to someone who, who less cared about the results. You know, and I'm not saying that it's those people's fault, right? Because ultimately it's coming back to that, the leadership capabilities. But, you know, it, it is, you know, un unfortunately it, it does stream downhill. And when I have a non-present leader, I'm going to be non-present. And on that note, I think we'll end for today. Thank you, Brett. Thanks for the, the riveting conversation. Thanks, Christina. Thank you. Christina, thanks, Brett. Thanks, Victoria. And thanks so much to our listeners. Please send us your thoughts, comments, feedback, and insights regarding this episode of The Curve. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, stay safe and keep your transformation momentum going. Bye, everyone.